Welcome to The Holt Story, a podcast where tech leaders discuss the biggest trends and challenges in cybersecurity technology. Brought to you by Tech Data, one of the world's largest technology distributors. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Holt Story, where we go deeper into the topics and technology impacting our industry. I'm your host, Tracy Holtz, and today's guest is Paul Mazzaro, Vice President of Strategy at Savient. Paul guides Savient go-to-market strategy. Before Savient, he was a director analyst at Gartner, focusing on identity, governance, and administration, privilege access management, customer IAM, and cloud infrastructure entitlements management, and identity access management, architecture, and program management research. Paul has more than 20 years of experience in identity and access management and previously served as systems and security architect for Fortune 500 companies, including Visa and McKesson. Welcome, Paul. It's really great to have you on as the whole story. I've been looking forward to this uh, podcast for a bit now. Savient is very innovative around technologies, around administrative and compliance, and a newer vendor for tech data, um, legacy tech data, now TD Cinex. So I'm really excited to have you on. Great. Thank you. It's good to be here, Tracy. Well, thanks so much. I'm going to jump right in. And I know you spent a long time at Gartner and as a senior director analyst there previously, you focused on the identity governance and administration kind of category amongst many others, I'd say, and Pam and... uh, and then on cloud infrastructure. So I'd love to maybe talk um, a bit about to our listeners around what, based on your background at Gartner, where are you seeing the future around PAM and identity moving in the cybersecurity world? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think, um, you know, up to before Gartner, I was a longtime practitioner. So I kind of come full circle to seeing you to being, you know, like much like your listeners, you know, looking at what should we be implementing and, and, you know, how to prioritize what we're doing and how to evaluate vendors and then going to, to Gartner kind of helped confirm all those uh, assumptions that I had talking to thousands of clients about a lot of common problems. And uh, yeah, I think um, one of them that I focused on was, was really looking at what are the, some of the capabilities that we need to, to be focusing on. And I think the biggest one really is, you know, with the advent of the cloud and the advent of access from anywhere by any number of devices and, and just the whole digitalization of, of our, uh, you know, economy, we're just going to have a scale that we've never seen like ever before, right? So there's going to be all this explosion of information, everyone you know, logging in, accessing applications, and it's just humanly impossible really to keep track of that, right? So we used to assume that, you know, we could look at reports and logs and see if someone was, you know, misusing or not using their access. You know, that's just not going to be doable in the future. So we need some sort of analytics we couple with machine learning i think that will allow us to the machine you know computers to process that information look at what's kind of normal behavior anomalous behavior and maybe even fine-tuning our access rights you know in our roles and groups and be able to see exactly okay is this person really using this particular entitlement is this role has you know five different entitlements in it? is it really appropriate you know, for this group of people that I'm assigning it to and really have the machines really figure that out for us or at least help us to come up with recommendations, right? So you've seen products like Savient and others building that kind of recommendation aspect of you as a, a say, as a manager, 
you get a, a request for uh, approving access of your employee, you know, what, what kind of information should you have in front of you to kind of help you make that right decision, right? A lot of times, at least when I was a manager, <clears throat> I'd get requests from my one of my uh, admins. He needed some kind of access to some, you know, machine and it was some very cryptic description. I didn't know, you know, I'd have to go over to his desk and ask him what it was. But so we need more tools like that, that should say, okay, well, if that person is asking for access, what about his peer? Does he have the same access or not? And if he doesn't, then you could start questioning and kind of challenging them. Why do you need that access? Right. So, and that's kind of also what uh, zero trust is all about, right? Is that not always just assuming someone needs access when they, when they, ask for it right so i think so going back to your question i think the machine learning and uh, analytics is really gonna we're gonna really need that to be able to have computers really help us to go through that processing and help us to really understand what our risk posture is and what type of access we should really be granting to our employees yeah, I have to imagine after the last 19 months, you know, that we've all been a part of this huge transformation, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be in a hybrid work environment today, being remote and in in the office uh, that's coming into play with most companies today, um, or to a 100% remote workforce, because, you know, the last 19 months, everyone's been extremely successful through this. So, you know, a lot has changed in the company's uh, logistics and, you know, kind of environments that cloud played mm-hmm. an important role of that entire transformation. So I have to imagine as a company, your automation strategy um, around that uh, log management reporting and making recommendations is a huge opportunity for any company because, you know, to your point, right, managing logs and sustaining them from reports is, is not sustainable in a you know, digital cloud infrastructure plus, you know, kind of a hybrid um, acceleration uh, move to the cloud. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with the cloud comes the ability to, to also, uh, given that, you know, back in the day, you, you know, to get a machine up and running, you'd have to, you know, go and purchase a machine, rack and stack it. I mean, now you just execute a script and you have a whole set of machines pre-configured at your disposal, right? So, with that, you could also see exactly and programmatically be able to uh, assign that access or, you know, if it's a server and there's, you know, some built-in administrative accounts, you can automatically um, onboard those into your PAM tool so that now you're managing those administrative accounts right through your PAM system. And that's kind of what we do uh, for, uh, from a saving perspective is that discovery of those workloads and onboarding those accounts to to the system so you know you know, what accounts you're, you're having to manage. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think about the provisioning aspects of it and the automation, I think it's an enormous opportunity in this space. Um, you know, when we think about that entire, you know, probably management, how, how can a partner, um, our listeners today, right. Whether there are reseller partners or clients of theirs, what are some best practices that you would recommend to them? Yeah, I think um, in general, I would think that um, you know you just have to be looking at your unique situation in your environment because even uh, if you have very similar um, 
company in the same industry is going to be a lot different because everyone's kind of procurement uh, journey is different, right? So, we, you know, we don't all, all buy our tools at the same time. So our tools in kind of various stages of maturity, right? So in one case, you might have a, you know, pretty antiquated uh, uh, identity management system that's, you know, that's uh, breaking at the seams and that's your priority. But in other cases, maybe you just recently, you know, upgraded to a cloud version. Uh, and then now you know, maybe your your problems are more in the network. So let's uh, just always be looking at where you are and where your soft spots are. And then you know, building a roadmap uh, on that and looking at where in each of those areas, you know, where is that crawl, walk, run, you know, uh, you can't really get to the run until you crawl and walk, right? So don't try to be too ambitious, you know, in your projects and always try to set those expectations with your sponsors, right? Don't try to over, over promise, under deliver. In fact, do the opposite, right? So always set expectations. And if you do more, then, you know, you gain that momentum. Because one of the things about the uh, the IGA and the PAM, they're, they're very challenging the software is to get integrated because there's very, very process oriented. So you're impacting the way people are doing their jobs. If you're introducing automation, so you have to get those people on board, right? So you have to get them resources committed from them to help you understand what the current processes are that you're automating. And then you have to get commitment from their managers that they're going to spend time with you. So, yeah, I, I at least as a practitioner, I've always uh, tried to focus on the people in the process aspect, you know, to making sure that you got the right people committed to the project before you try to do anything. Yeah, those are great, great words of wisdom. I would say, you know, and when we, you mentioned zero trust, um, and I've always used an analogy around zero trust is really never trust, always verify, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I'm yep. sure that's pretty standard uh, in the industry today as an analogy, but when you think about zero trust, where do you think um, companies fail uh, around or, or maybe not so much fail, but where do they struggle with getting zero trust into place? Yeah, I'd say that you, one of them is just you know, buying into the hype a bit of the zero trust, or uh, I think about some of the myths like uh, zero trust are really not understanding. It's not really, there's a one solution you know, one size fits all solution to the problem and that it's a one-time project. So I think, um, again, it's all about not just the technology, but it's the people in process, right? It's a, in the case of zero trust, as I was referring to earlier, it's a, that mindset, right? It's like, you know, we tend to want to just help people and sometimes give too much information out. That's why the social engineering is such a soft spot, right? Or we click on emails that just seem like something that's, uh, we can't help ourselves, right? So um, zero trust mindset is really about, you know, questioning that uh, access. If you're, you're someone who gives access to information, it's always just, you know, in a nice way, always challenging and questioning why that access is needed. And and part of zero trust too is not to set and forget. You once you give that access, you should be always looking at reevaluating whether that access is still appropriate. And I think that's where some of these solutions come in, where they can automate some of that for you. 
Yeah, I think that's a big opportunity because, you know, as you think about access down to individual team members and across, you know, divisions, um, mm-hmm. to your point, you mentioned, you know, where one individual team member may have access to uh, multiple, you know, systems, um, you know, architecture. Uh, and then, then, then another colleague comes in and you're verifying that they should have the same access. And then what do they do with that access? Um, have they logged in? Have they leveraged the access over a period of time? Because if they're not logging in and leveraging it, why do they need to have access to it? Because there mm-hmm. certainly is risk in any of that, that there could be financials or other kind of information stored within those means uh, that those colleagues have access to. So it's a huge opportunity for any company to enhance um, really what I you know, kind of view as like their data strategy, right? And their mm-hmm. compliance strategy because compliance um, comes into, you know, all aspects of identity access management, PAM to me, so. Exactly. Yeah, I think you mentioned risk too. And I think, uh, you know, going back to that example of the person that's asking for access, you also, it's also helpful to know what their kind of holistic access is, you know, what other access do they have? And in some cases you have, people that have a lot of access to sensitive information. So their overall risk profile for that person is higher, you know, so there you'd want to even scrutinize even more so mm-hmm. than the normal. And again, you got to focus on the high risk, high value areas. You, know, you just don't have the time and the data to scrutinize every access, right? But at least if you're aware of what that risk is and you know that these are, you know, this is your crown jewels, applications that if they go down that your company is going to take a real hit, then you, you, know, you try to focus on those. And how, um, when it comes to the education piece of this, um, I know we touched briefly on it. You know, I think that that's a large opportunity for companies and partners to spend time, mm-hmm. you know, educating around privilege access and, you know, identity access management and, and compliance and, um, you know, just really the automation capabilities. How would you, what's your recommendation there? Is there um, specific kind of experts in the field that companies should be employing, um, that they should be looking at hiring or investing in skills around this area? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, actually at Gartner, I I did a paper on uh, um, skills for an IAM architect and Gartner did a whole thing on skills and, you know, for cloud, for data architects. And I did the one on identity and um, yeah, there's just the unique thing about the identity is that it requires knowledge in so many different areas because it touches everything. I mean, you think about um, the uh, developer, right? So they're coding um, their applications and they need to authenticate the user. So there's, you know, there's the ability and the need to understand at the API level and code level, how that integration works. So uh, that's one extreme. And then there's maybe someone that's a, a database expert that needs to understand how they integrate at the database level. So, so yeah, it is a challenge and what to focus on. But the good thing is, is that you could tap into potentially a developer maybe that wants to get the foot in the door into security and they make, they would make a good identity person, right? Because, and they would be able to help other developers to do the right best practices from an IAM perspective. So I think you don't necessarily have to have a specific education in IAM or in security, but just, uh, you know, curiosity and willingness to learn and take what you know and use 
apply that into that subject matter that you're used to, you know, that you're, you know, your, what your background is. Yeah, I, I often think that, you know, in this industry, um, especially in this field, I think that if you're uh, very involved in or interested in like mysteries um, or any kind of researching, you know, clue, any kind of gaming kind of uh, where uh-huh. you're really having to be thought provoking and, and thinking into, you know, next step, next level, you know, future, I think is a great opportunity uh, for those kind of uh, individuals with those skill sets to get involved in in cyber, but more importantly, in, into this particular field, because those skills will go a long way uh, with identifying, you know, to your point, uh, where there's where there's risk and identifying those pieces because they have those skill sets to be able to do so. Right. And one of the things that I, one of the quadrants that I put in my paper was the non-technical or the soft skills or business skills. I think that's <laughs> sometimes what's lacking. You know, I've had a long career in, as a developer and in IT and you know, there's, I've worked with a lot of smart people, but not very good people skills, you know, and they're hard to work with. Right. So they just want to do their coding and they just don't want to be bothered. And, you know, this is from a interpersonal relationship, very diff- challenging, you know, so uh, I think the, those kind of skills are needed so much by cybersecurity and identity architects because they're relying and having to talk with people outside of the their community, the business folks, the audit folks, the executives, um, you know, just all the different populations. And it's really critical to have those people skills, you know, that that kind of uh, build those relationships with those individuals because you're dependent on them, right, on them committing resources to you in most cases. Yeah, that's very well said. I've, uh, you know, I've got over 100 folks in my organization and I talk often (laughs) around relationships and the meaningness, you know, meaningfulness of those relationships and, you know, um, you know, and I highly respect them because, you know, who you work with today could be certainly different tomorrow um, or it comes full circle, right? You might have been, you know, a competitor to somebody and they're now your boss or, you know. Um, exactly. Or... <laughs> yeah. So it's a very small world in this uh, entirely large uh, IT, you know, kind of industry, but it, it is relatively small uh, in a lot of ways with the, the key uh, folks that uh, and colleagues that we all get to know. So that's what I, mm-hmm. I love most is building those relationships and holding them very, tr- you know, it's close to heart uh, because that to me carries, you know, anyone as an individual long-term as those people soft skills to your point. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, if we touch on maybe just a few minutes about um, Savient and where you're going as a company, where what does the next three years look like for you um, as you continue chartering, you know, these this remote hybrid cloud, heavy cloud, right? It's going to continue big investments around cloud for every company on an IT uh, infrastructure. Uh, where do you see, you know, your kind of roadmap going? You know, one is just a matter of adoption and making it easier for organizations to adopt uh, identity access management solutions like Savient. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned about the, the lack of skill sets, it's really about how do we uh, enable, um, you know, quicker onboarding and, you know, being it's a SaaS product or as a cloud a product that runs in the cloud, you know, you, you do not have to worry about, um, you know, all the infrastructure that supports the solution. So that's going to help right there to, you know, onboard, uh, make it easier as an organization to onboard. But it's still, you have the configurations, the workflows and different things. 
So my goal, you know, because I used to be on the other side of it, right, implementing the software, is how how can I make it easier to get up and running and show value quickly? And then also, how do I empower my business really to make those access decisions, right? Give them the, delegate them to make those decisions of who should I give access to or not. So making the user experience more business friendly so that you don't need an IT, you know, person uh, to support that system. So looking at, you know, the modern UI, um, you know, all those kind of new technologies from a user experience perspective, uh, no code, low code approaches to building workflows and um, connectors, you know, the connectors are are those that, that are used to connect, say, to your Active Directory or to your Salesforce SaaS solution, you know, so those are what, what allows our software to talk to those systems and be able to create identities and remove identities. Right. So, so as I mentioned at the beginning, it's just going to, it's going to explode to not just hundreds, but thousands of applications. So we need to empower the organizations to help do some of the building, right. Get out of the way, let them do more of that configuration. And, and, you know, where if you're able to make it to where they don't need to have, really in-depth uh, like C-sharp or Java or, you know, those types of deep programming skills, then that's going to help accelerate the adoption as well. So, so I think those are some key areas. And then, as I mentioned earlier about the machine learning, right, automating, ingesting that information, activity logs and pulling information in and being able to make the system more autonomous, self-driving is kind of what I've heard, uh, you know, another uh, paradigm like a self-driving car, right? It kind of knows where you're going, what speed to go. And then you're only involved when something something out of the ordinary or, you know, you know so you're not uh, doing those mundane kind of activities on the system, you know, so that, that's where I really like to see Savient accelerate there is to make it easier uh, from uh, granting access and improving access and compliance perspective. Yeah, no, those are exciting. And I, I haven't uh, jumped onto the self-driving uh, ability yet. So I still want a bit of more control, I think, yeah. <laughs> being the cyber person that I am. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but it's an opportunity for all of us. And I think it's certainly exciting on how the future shaping and just transportation and, and uh, motor vehicles in general. But I like the safety features of it. That's where I'll kind of, uh, you know, kind of lean in. Um, I do think that there's a, a greater enhancement around our safety features in our cars. But um, yeah, I love right. that piece. Because um, what you talked about there to me is very transformational as a workshop, right? And how we help as a distributor with um, you, Savient, as a manufacturer, help our partners really around that digital transformation kind of evolution. So, you know, I don't want to summarize it, but if I if I quickly think of how a quick workshop could look like, it's really as how digital transformation is accelerating um, identity access management. And what does that mean for companies, right, around automation and mm-hmm. And to your point, the configuration, because in in a cloud infrastructure where it could be APIs and machine, you know, um, automation there, there's a tremendous opportunity for us to build solutions and then deploy them through even like our click to run platform, which ultimately um, does a lot of that configurations in the cloud um, through all the major platforms. So really exciting times um, and a huge opportunity for both of us uh, and our partners and their clients um, to really reshape their entire identity strategy. Uh, And 
manage through compliance because compliance is only going to continue in this space uh, as yes. government regulations come down or amendments are, you know, released. Um, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big the kind of benefits of a kind of identity governance solution is that SOX, HIPAA, all those different compliance mandates and what's the information that, say, an auditor needs to see, you know, and uh, automating some of that uh, information so that you have those pre-built reports that require, you know, probably require some tailoring, but already have a lot of what you need to be uh, compliant, you know, from an industry specific, you know, regulation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's much more than, you know, beyond a MFA, you know, multi-factor authentication kind of solution. It's that next level into the compliance um, aspects of it and administrative aspects of how we manage um, users and authentications. And No, I, I, I agree. I think the access management is a key piece. And going back to zero trust, we sometimes think of on the authentication piece that, you know, we don't trust someone that we, or we're continually assessing the the user's behavior and it will maybe log them off or require MFA. But the zero trust also has to do with all the backend stuff that something like a Savient does is the, the, you know, making sure that the user, you know, when they transfer to another group, that's, that that's picked up and there's some sort of a workflow that's triggered that, that then the new manager checks Hey, does this person really need that same access, right? So, zero trust has kind of got to be in every aspect of identity, not just the access management, but all the back end as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. My husband uh, loves me, but he uh, absolutely hates that I tell him not to click on anything, um, to never <laughs> trust anything because of the phishing world that we live in today. And and frankly, yes. uh, you know, uh, when it comes down to you know the in question every ability of why you got that email or the link, um, and to never click on it. So he he always thinks I'm a bit more radical on my cybersecurity policies <laughs> in general. But uh, you know, if we weren't in security, then probably we wouldn't have that same perspective. But uh, that's well, true. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a, absolutely an intriguing conversation. I know our listeners got a lot out of it. Uh, to me, it's identity access management is an area that I, I'd love to see more of our partners get involved in. Um, and it's a huge services opportunity for them as well. Um, and you know, just where the transformation around the cloud and data and compliance is, you know, absolutely where it's at today from a market, but going forward mm-hmm. is a huge opportunity for all of us. So thank you again for joining me. It was great to have you on. Oh, you're welcome. I'd love to visit you again. Maybe uh, we could dive into specific areas or however you want to take the conversation. So yeah, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will take you up on that. Um, and into our next uh, coming year, we'll definitely have you on again and we can go deeper into some of these um, areas. Um, and I think even just think about just um, the education aspects that we could talk deeper into with our partners uh, around how both of, you know, companies, all companies own really an education aspect of it too. So uh, love to continue the dialogue and uh, you know, it was great to meet you and uh, have you on the whole story and look forward to having hosting you again in the coming months. Great. Thanks again, Tracy, very much. Thank you. Thanks again, Paul. And thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I really appreciate you taking the time to subscribe using your favorite podcast application. We are hosted on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. We're adding new podcasts monthly, and you can also access our podcast at theholtstory.com. <laughs>